0: to The Golden Gap. I think, I believe this is episode nine. Can you believe that? I counted the other day just to (laughs) double check uh, because I've lost count. Um, Today we are going to be delving into Judy's early starring role in Everybody Sing, her probably biggest pre-Oz film to this date. Uh, What we'd like to Start uh, with introductions, and we are so delighted to welcome back the beautiful Carly Jade from Ontario, Canada.
1: She couldn't miss the last one, but it's lovely to have you back. Oh, thank you so much. It is so nice to be back. Oh, I've missed you guys and missed our audience and just missed talking all about Judy.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've got
1: our usual trio
0: here for this one from Waterford Island. I went to say Waterford, Canada. <laughs> Connor Con- Grant.
2: Hello. Hi, everyone. Can't get rid of me. I'm like a bad penny. I keep coming back.
0: <laughs> I'm also, like a bad penny is myself. I'm back. I'm ready to finish <laughs> this one. So hang in there with me. <laughs> okay, so we'll just start off with, a will just give a brief overview of the plot of Everybody Sing and then I'll open it up for before we delve dissect it, you know, scene by scene and, you know, Everything else, production history, wherever, and um, we'll just get people's general overall opinions of the film. Now, the plot um, is actually based around Judy. She is the protagonist. She plays um, Judy Blair, who is who is even she's expelled from her school for singing jazz instead of the traditional classical music because she's such a little little rebel. She is singing this lovely music, so she gets kicked out and sent home. And her family dynamic is absolutely crazy. It's a screwball comedy slash musical. Um, she's got a theatrical family who have fallen on some hard financial times. The dad is trying to produce a show with him, mum, played by Billy Burke of The Wizard of Oz fame. A little bit of foreshadowing there. She's the lead actress. It's made all the more chaotic by the fact she insists on playing with Gerald, this really stuffy actor who no one else seems to like. And Judy, with the help of the, the chef and the cook, Ricky and Olga, played by Alan Jones and Fanny Bryce, who we'll get into more later, they um they set out to put on a show to try and save the family dynamic, and that is pretty much it in a basic nutshell. So I'm just going to open it out um, and then I'll give my opinions on this film, what your general feelings are about this film overall, without like
1: Going too
2: deep into it your stress. You start, Carly, because it's your first one back.
1: <laughs> All right, I guess I can start. <laughs> um, <laughs> I re- I really quite like this film. Uh, it is one that I. So I'll be honest with you. I'm exposing myself. Feel free to to take my Judy card away. Um, this was a when I rewatched it for the podcast. This was only my second time ever watching it. Um, I would only ever seen it once, uh, and that was when I went through my first round of going through her filmography, so it was a really nice treat, so that was obviously many years ago that I uh, that I did that, so this was a nice little treat going back into it again and seeing it again um, <clears throat> when I am much further into, I like to call it my Judy journey, as you guys know, but um, No, it was, it was really good. It was very cute. Uh, the other thing, obviously, uh, we will dive into it a bit later, but it is the first one that the, her first film where the plot is centered around her and she is the main character of the film. Um, no, it's great. Uh, I will also, I wanted to say Alan Jones, such a dish, uh, he is absolutely gorgeous. (laughs) and Fanny Bryce, lovely as always. And it is so great to see Billy Burke playing her mom, which of course, you know, this is riding on uh, the coattails of Wizard of Oz. Wizard is coming up very, very quickly after this. So, um, no, it was, it was really, really interesting to see that.
2: I agree, it's, um, and I, I think I'm the same, Carly. It's one I didn't see for a very long time. It was one of the last ones of her uh, films that I actually watched um it's definitely just a screwball comedy of the 30s that you know with songs in there um but yeah it's I, I haven't re-watched it for this again I really enjoyed it I'd actually forgotten how much fun it it is of a film um it, the the one thing that gets a bit overwhelming I think is the kind of screwball comedy aspect of it in that it's very 30s and they kind of talk over each other and shout over each other quite a bit in some of the family scenes which is a little bit off-putting but once you get over that um it's hugely enjoyable it's it's what I would call a harmless film there's there's nothing too you know heavy in it it's just it's light it's fun it's frothy Judy is the main um character and star of it um I agree Alan Jones I forgot quite just how handsome (laughs) he actually was (laughs) <laughs> and i actually
1: i'm oh, sorry
2: go ahead go on go on go on
1: i was just gonna say i actually meant to say that as well how you know it, it's a bit overwhelming everyone kind of shouting over each other and the energy of everybody in the film you would swear that they may have drank like eight red bulls before they started filming they're all just like vibrating <laughs> like you want to be myself. <laughs>
2: I wondered if it was something to do with the fact that, say, a lot of the adult characters in it would have been sort of veteran stage performers. So maybe that because it's an early type of a film, it's 19 filmed in 1937. So maybe it's still a little bit of that kind of stage acting, even though it's a film. I don't know, but they are projecting very loud. And (laughs) And sometimes the microphones of the time I don't think can cope with this. You know okay. but having said that actually and i'm really going off on a big tangent here now um i believe say the the warner archive dvd is unremastered so it's not probably Sound balanced and different things the way say Meet Me in St. Louis or Oz or one of the bigger ones has been. Um, And to be honest, Fanny Bryce nearly steals the movie. to In my opinion, she's that close to stealing it away. I think she's hilarious as Olga, and I'm going to shut up now because I'm just rambling.
0: I agree over the um, the the Warner copy of the DVD because I I I, I managed to watch this one twice before this podcast, and I've seen it before. she um yeah even the, the, the picture quality wasn't great it was like I was watching it when I was watching it when I was young I was the opposite of you. um I this was the first pre-oz Judy film that I saw and it used to be like one of my favorite pre-oz ones because she was in it so much she had so many numbers I like the musical numbers but I totally agree about the, the screwball aspect on it um it might be quite sacrilege to say this, but Burleigh Burke really annoys me. I agree. Sorry, but she <laughs> does my head in. Sorry. She's re- and that was the kind of role she she plays. And you're right, she was from the theatre. She was married to Florence Ziegfeld, wasn't she? Mm. Um, she was, you know, very theatrical. And those early 30s comedies were that sense. Judy was still a little bit with her performance. She hadn't quite come down. And I agree about Fanny Bryce, even though she was, you know, um, famous for, for, for vaudevillian stage actors, she manages to get the, the comedy quite right, just right. Over time, I, um, I've started to appreciate Judy's other earlier films more than this one, because this one we really start getting the kind of ugly duckling thing coming through, which I will we'll elaborate on more shortly. And I just feel like like the likes have listened on and the performance is more natural. You can see Dorothy coming in there more thoroughbred. You know, she's a different kind of character. But no, that's just um, my overall feeling. But that leads us on um, to the next section, which is showcasing Judy as the star. So... Um, Basically, as we've already mentioned, it's the first vehicle that's specifically built around Judy. She's the main protagonist and she has many musical numbers. She has many scenes. And then if the trailer basically is all about, we predict Judy going on for stardom. Um, if she's just seen the trailer, have you, said, have you got anything to add about the trailer?
1: Well, it's just, it's interesting. It's, it always kind of, um, gives me shivers I guess whenever I see anything sort of predicting Judy Garland to be a big star you know what I mean because she really did she became the miss show business she became the greatest the world's greatest entertainer and to see that it was predicted all the way back to when she's how old is she 15 in this film right Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so it being predicted that early is that's a major testament to her talent and her ability to draw in an audience at, you know, even that age.
2: <laughs> this smart Hollywood crowd has sensed a great hit in Everybody Sing, and from all advance reports,
3: Judy Garland will become an overnight sensation. Hello, Walter. Here's big news for your column. Biggest crowd in years at Everybody Sing. Judy Garland will be the nation's new singing star.
2: Just picking up on what Carly was saying uh, about seeing the, the, the trailer doing the whole we predict Judy Garland will be a sensation in pictures and all this it's it's actually interesting or almost mad to see a time when she wasn't famous because she became so famous at such a young age and then was elevated to such a legendary status even in her own lifetime that it's actually interesting to see that period of time when she was up and coming and she was kind of about to burst through you know
0: and that leads on to um, the villain now in the film in the opening credit she receives third villain after Alan Jones and Fanny Bryce and then in the end credit she's bumped up to second villain above Fanny Bryce which is I um, I don't think people nowadays realize how actually legendary Fanny Bryce was I mean she was quite something else so that is a big thing for Judy to be built above her and then the, the copy that was sent out, you know, the, the posters and things. Often Alan Joe would still be top build, but often Josie would be the one highlighted, you know, like um, here comes Judy, stars and for Josie.
2: I think you're absolutely right. Um, most people today, if they know Fanny Bryce, are going to know her from Funny Girl. Um, but you can't underestimate, just you're right. She was such she was a Ziegfeld star which was massive in the teens and twenties. And she was hugely famous for the Baby Snooks. I'm sure anybody who watches everybody sing and then sees the Baby Snooks routine later on towards the end is probably like, what is this? But that was such a big radio. Um,
0: I love that room, Best of all. I love it too.
2: Oh, so <laughs> But I actually saw some YouTube comments um, on that number, you know, and people are like, oh, that's embarrassing, a 40-year-old woman pretending to be an infant. I was like, it's a joke, people. It's just, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And it was actually something I thought of the other day, um, just again about the villain above Fanny Bryce at the end. Um, Like, by this point in Judy's career, Fanny Bryce is the second legendary woman of the stage after Sophie Tucker that she's performed with and been in a film with and I think that just again is a testament to show that you know the powers that be were aware that she was on a, a level of these legendary ladies you know so that was it
0: and i again I keep saying I'll elaborate later. Um, there's also the connection to Ethel Merman and Roger Edens which I've got a fabulous quote about later in the podcast which is another okay. indication of the level young Jusie was on Mm. It's a long quote, so I'll have to shorten it. But I just, um, I loved everything. But also, these women, like Ethel and Fanny Bryce, um, Sophie Tuchai, Jews, you actually became like friends as, as an adult with these. Yeah. And, you know, gained a lot of like respect from them. And it was actually Fanny Bryce, wasn't it, who like, you know, pushed us to go on in the palace when she was having second thoughts. Yes. Season, and then, and then, and then, to yes get it, basically to get
1: it arse up there
2: absolutely I was going to say something now and it's coming out of my head altogether. it might come back to me it was something brilliant
1: so <laughs> I remember oh yay, yay.
2: <laughs> that um at one stage as far as I know way in the early time of funny girl being a concept though I read Judy was considered to play Fanny Bryce at one point or another before it became Say funny girl and way before Streisand or anything ever became involved
0: yeah that's true I believe I've read that Mm. I mean now you can't imagine anyone but Streisand's playing the role can you no but if Streisand does have never existed it would have had to have been Judy
2: well, I mean, as Joan Allison said, if they could have put Judy in every film ever made, they would have, she, anything musical like she could do.
0: Okay, now moving on, um, last little um, subsection before we break down the scenes, is this bit which I don't really like very much, it's Judy's image, which we've touched on in a lot of podcasts. I've got many references to the ugly duckling, some unflattering costumes, some are okay, some of the costumes are like, some of them I don't. Um, It was originally sort of conceived as the Judy Garland story early on, um, even though it's nothing like her life story. Early working titles were Swing Fever, and unfortunately, a big working title, which last stuck for a while, was The Ugly Duckling. I'll start with Carly with this, because I can see your face. (laughs)
1: Oh my God! It just it just, you know I've over, I've made my feelings on this particular topic known many times. but it just to me is unimaginable that she's even remotely considered to be an ugly duckling. But when I heard that the one of the early working titles of the film, was the ugly duckling of all the things they could concentrate on for that film. They decided to like, it was actually a thought in their mind that they were going to name the film after what they perceived as Judy's image. And that to me is ridiculous. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention as well is that oddly enough, you can really start to see Judy's young teenage beauty start to shine through in this film particularly in the very beginning, during Swing Mr. Meddleson Swing. She is, I always thought she was absolutely gorgeous in that number. She's, you know, her hair is cute. She's got the cute little uniform, Sarah, you got the shirt. And I just thought there's, what's wrong with her appearance? Why is she being, why is she, why is she being called an ugly duckling? I I don't get it. And then of course the line, Spoken by Billy Burke. Um, Oh, poor little ugly duckling. Oh, well, mother loves you anyway. Like, 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 so you're saying you're saying that your appearance is, is what it's the way your mother loves you is based on your appearance like oh my god anyway i'm gonna stop talking now but that, that that's my feelings on it
0: well i was um just before you go Connor. Sorry, i was watching the commentary listening to the audio commentary for for me and my shadows between um, the director and lorna luft they were talking about you know Judy's appearance it was the scene you know where she's in the makeup room which we know did really you know things like that did really happen to judy and Lorna was like, Well, I always thought my mum was just dropped dead gorgeous. Like, so, well, yes, because even in a book, she said she was what physically in the pace and she was one of the most beautiful women she'd ever seen, you know, with a gorgeous symbols. but she she didn't look the way they thought beauty should be back then, which infuriates me. Because if you look at the Gail plays her sister, Lynn Carver, um, she's um she is very, very pretty. And she's very sweet with Judy in the film. She's one of the few funny moods like doing it she's not extraordinary because she's like, there's a dime a dozen of her in those films. And funny enough, what what was considered attractive then with the like, she's got very thin lips, the thin eyebrows. That's not really considered attractive nowadays. Nowadays, Judy with her full lips, her big eyes, you know, expressive eyebrows, well, I don't like the
2: big, I don't like
0: the duff lips, kind no. of. That was me <laughs> joking. <laughs> but Judy had really, you know,
1: full, good lips. Is. She'd be considered attractive mm-hmm. now. <laughs> and I've always said this before on previous podcasts, but her looks were so unique and she really did stand out from the other women. And I think that's probably why a lot of people now are so drawn to her is that she was not like the rest. She was very unique in her appearance. And I guess MGM just didn't know what to do with that. What to, you know, they didn't know, they couldn't see that she, they could, you know, run with that rather than fight it and call her an ugly duckling. But yeah, she's always been one of the most gorgeous women I've ever seen Dorothy Gale not gonna lie Dorothy Gale was my first childhood crush <laughs> So, but yeah when we spoke
0: about the pigskin podcast um 20th century fox as we said did know what to do with her she had great hair you know her hair's just a little bit dropped it's not like up on top with big bows everywhere you know good costumes so I think it's just this image they were creating for her but I think um she was cute as a button in everybody thing, probably like the cutest I've seen <laughs> in a prios things. And when we go through the scenes, I'll mention some of those. But sorry, Connor, did you have anything to add?
2: No, it's I'm kind of echoing what, what, what you were saying. Um, and just picking up on um Lorna when she commented on, you know, in person her mum being so gorgeous. If you look at any um black and white photos of Judy. But, but then see a colour photo. The colour, she's just, her skin, it really is gorgeous in person. No matter what, what era you're looking at of her, she's in colour. She just, I don't know if the black and white, you know the way it suits some people and maybe it doesn't suit others or something in the in, in unretouched photos. She's incredible in the colour. Um, and we're <laughs> talking about the Style of MGM and what to do with her. Know the way I have my costumes that I absolutely hate, and I have taken such a dislike to the Down on Melody Farm dungarees, we call them dungarees, might know them as overalls, that they put her in for this. But
0: I don't mind the dungarees. Do you know?
2: I don't like
0: them. I personally despise the end costume.
2: Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. And those
0: weird pants. <laughs> the
2: yes. Yeah. Pants.
0: What are they? <laughs> like the extra long. <laughs> Knickerbocker's gone wrong. <laughs> but anyway, speaking of that, that'll move us into the scene-by-scene scene breakdown. I'll just get this up. right With the, the previous Judy films, I've broke them down individual scenes. This time I've done them in sort of chunks, if that makes sense, because she's in scenes that might run into one. Otherwise, you will be forever. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> so I've got like a chunk of scenes... So the first uh, ones I've got is um, the credits, Mr. Mr. Mendelssohn's scene and the scene in the principal's office. And I've got this as Judy's introduction and setting up her character. Now, before anyone says anything, I just want to say that the actual Mr. Mendelssohn is again, but it's my favourite part of the whole (laughs) film. So, yeah, so it just starts on a high to me. So I'll open it up on your two opinions on these few
1: scenes. Um, so I should actually say that that scene was actually my first exposure to Judy outside of Oz, because that they showed that clip in it's a it was a documentary the 50th. I was anniversary going to say hosted. this. Yes, posted <laughs> yes. yes. by Angela Lansbury. Can
2: and, I just uh, say sorry to interrupt you? Oh, I was yeah, actually no going. Part. I was going to say, any Oz fans? have actually seen bits of this film, and they don't realise
3: it. She had been billed as the little girl with the great big voice. In my school, I am one of many... By the time she is 15 years old, her name has been changed from Frances Gum to Judy Garland. And she has been under contract to MGM for almost three years. She can sing and dance, she can play drama or comedy. Anyone in Hollywood who has seen her perform at benefits or private parties knows Judy Garland is destined for stardom. Leroy and Freed convince Maya that Oz could be her breakthrough. Judy must lose some weight, but the part of Dorothy is hers. Yes. <laughs> but yes. that,
0: that, speaking of, that documentary is the kind of documentary people should be watching about
2: Oz. Yes. And not what we get now. available uh, as a standalone disc from the warner archive at the moment plug please don't block us on copyright grounds
1: It's my favorite. It's it's my favorite documentary on Oz. And a big piece of that is because it's what I used to watch when I was about four or five years old. Uh, when I had the VHS, um, the VHS copy played it at the very end of the mm. film. So I always watch it all the way through. And I'd get so excited when I'd hear that opening bars and then see that still footage of them. And anyway, so that is is actually my first exposure to Judy outside of Oz. and I remember as a kid being just thinking that that is so weird like seeing Dorothy not in her costume <laughs> and not in the gingham and uh, yeah, so that that um, that opening bit has always held a, a special place in my heart because that's what I grew up with.
2: I agree a hundred percent. it's such a strong opening to the film um. You know, because she's so modern and jazzy and swinging and she's like corrupting the the, the Catholic schoolgirls in my head, that's what she's doing. Uh, yeah. I don't think they are Catholic schoolgirls, but that's just you know. Um and I Sarah, picking up on what you said at the very beginning when you were summarizing the plot, I think it's hilarious this is what she gets expelled for is singing jazz. Yeah. <laughs> like
1: everyone is singing
2: like it's not like she was you know smoking around the back of the toilets or something like yeah. that it's like she was singing jazz
0: headmistress wants to come to some of the schools we've got nowadays
2: oh she'd lose her life like she'd <laughs> I, but you know I think that's probably a reflection of the times that you know jazz and swing music was considered sort of you know the rock and roll of the 60s that the swing music was the version of it in the 30s it was you know it was considered the naughty music or whatever
1: you were a rebel. Rebel. Yeah, you know, like
2: rebel. <laughs> Swing Mr. Mendelssohn. <Maddleton>. You're
1: so <laughs> <laughs> I also oh. love the part when she squishes her nose against the uh, window, oh, so too. <laughs> Isn't that
0: just the cutest thing?
2: Oh, adorable.
0: I say that's so cute it's with the big massive eyes. How can that be considered an ugly duck one? But then the following scene in the um... <laughs> The head or principal, whatever you say, is office where she says, I can't help it. You know, when I hear music, it gets to me. She starts going, You've corrupted this school for the last
3: time. But I can't help it, Miss Carvin. Honestly, I can't. I don't know why, but when I hear music, it does something to me. And when I sing, it comes out, That will do. That's nice enough
0: now. Stop it. She's
2: just
0: like, <laughs> yeah she's
1: so infectious
0: isn't she yeah.
1: and it's just it's just so her too that scene is so her so judy you know it's just it's perfect for her opening introduction
0: <laughs> um, you Connor and you Carly find the um, the family the the screwball bit too much too loud I was see, I, I said I love this opening section I would have loved to have seen a film centers in this girl with judy like corrupting it with a jazz. I would
1: have loved to have in a film set there. They should that should have, would have had been
2: such a
1: good idea. Yeah, because it's it's isn't it referenced in the film that she's been expelled four times out of four different schools? They should have just had a film following Judy Belair through her expulsions at school.
2: <laughs> That's what I was going to say there a second ago. Was what was she singing jazz in all the schools? Is That why she was expelled. <laughs> like, what a Judy! What a Judy!
1: So then we move on,
0: she's being expelled, and we get to the scenes where she gets back home trying to speak to her family members one by one. Speaking to Olga and Ricky in the kitchen, and then the dinner table scene, and the scene with with her sister in the bed, and then the morning after. So this we've got, in these scenes, we're getting to know the family dynamic and Judy's place within it.
1: Anyone, Honor, you can go ahead first. Will I go
2: first. I, I don't mind. It's your, it's your, it's, it's your. Um, I won't say comeback. What is it? Norma Desmond calls it a return. It's your return.
1: I like the word comeback because I just think of Judy, right? Okay, comeback. <laughs> did you go only to only on powder? my first though, not 108? <laughs> Sorry, what did you say? Did you go to the powder room? Every time I go to the powder room and make a
0: comeback. <laughs>
2: um yeah these scenes i think are the start of exactly what we're saying about the kind of screwball comedy um of it where it's a little bit overpowering and billy burke sometimes actually can't hear a word she's saying you have to really kind of strain to hear what she's saying you know like it's funny but you could tone it down billy like you know (laughs) um Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's 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 very cute, again, it's this is, uh, maybe the word for this whole film is the cuteness with Judy, but um, <clears throat> when she finally goes to the kitchen to talk to um, Ricky and Olga and she's crying because nobody else will listen to her and they're the only two that listen to her, when she sits on Alan Jones's lap and starts playing with the buttons on his chef jacket, I actually, I can't cope.
3: <laughs> are the only ones who care what happens to me. Sure we do. Look, we're all
2: ears. Now sit down here and tell us all about it.
3: Well, I've been expelled again. What? Expelled? Yes, and and Miss Carvin said that if I kept on the way I was going, I'd come to a bad end. Don't you worry, darling. That's what they said about me. But what did you do to make the old handsome man? Yeah, what? What did I do? Yeah. Well, look. Look, I'll show you what I did. I went
2: like as well she's 15 and I'm presuming this character is meant to be younger than 15 because this is what they were doing with her because I don't know a 15 year old
0: Later on, they say you've got a girl under the age of 15 playing in this theatre.
2: Oh, okay. So she is, yeah, yeah, that's true.
0: Usually, in these MGM films, she was usually playing 12, 13.
2: Yeah. But it's, look, leaving that aside, it's still super cute. And I I really feel sorry for her that, you know, she's trying to tell her troubles to the family and they're not listening to her.
0: Well, that's why I guess she spends this whole... um, this film trying to save the family and the, the absolutely horrible too because yeah. <laughs> these scenes are where we do get oh ugly duff mama loves you anyway oh look at your hair and then she's you know snuggles in bed with a sister who is nice to her mm. and um The next morning, her mum says, Oh, you're looking very pretty this morning, both of you, even Judy.
3: Someone else? Why? Oh, he's a rotten actor, Mummy. Uncle Jack thinks so, too. Judy, we're utterly mad, you know, forgetting your husband, your children. Judy, (laughs) stop that this minute. You've been listening to your father. Hello. Oh, hello, Gerald, dear. Oh, perfectly splendid. Run along, children. You're looking very pretty this morning, both of you, even Judy. (laughs) So
0: pretty. <laughs> oh. it, she does. She does look lovely in a satin pyjamas and a little hair tie. It's
2: very nice. It, she does
0: look, look lovely, but um, and that's I'm going to put this out here now. Even we're introduced to Gerald in this section, who is you know a stuffy, stuff up, really bad actor, and the dad doesn't like him, so he's causing problems with within the family. But he likes supports judy when she sings um at the cafe napper which we'll get to later even at the end just before he gets arrested he's smiling as he's watching her he actually treats judy better than her mum and dad and even gets you know the sister pretends to be in love with him that's not his fault he probably no. genuinely did love the sister and he gets treated really bad sorry sorry that's just my little rant <laughs> but anyway um sorry carly your opinions of these few scenes
1: well, just uh, just that it's you know very cute and uh, what you guys have already said, but one of the things that um again uh, feel free to take my Judy card away, but you know who the dad is? <laughs> the dad played in the pirate as the yes. one that's coaxing Judy out of the room. How did I not know that? <laughs> did you not know that?
2: Can I give did you, you not- one more thing?
1: Did you not know that? Yes.
2: No, no, I did. I that. Not that, but can I give you one more thing about the dads? I- that i only discovered yes. he's the neighbor in mary Poppins setting off the cannonballs.
1: Admiral boom admiral boom yeah. yes knew, he, and he's, he's in another
2: you knew that yes yeah, I, I, knew knew that I, knew that I knew that one too. from
1: pirate because i recognized him in pirate and i'm like oh that's admiral boom um but i had no idea he played the dad and everybody saying wow mm. anyway I'll probably cut that a, out
0: a different thing though, know, to take my duty cards away I knew those things but I used to think um Reginald Gardner who you know plays Gerald's was the one who played the Viceroy in the Pirate for years I was convinced it was in him um, until I checked the names I'm going oh, both of these are in everybody saying I'm going around saying all this
1: <laughs> oh boy anyway sorry I'm new oh. here <laughs>
0: Going back to the kitchen scene. I love the kitchen scene too. And again, she gets to sing a little bit there and then mm. she to her, Ricky and Olga. And
2: um, sorry, Sarah, I'm cutting across you there. I just, it's the little details, but the way, when they ask her, what did you do to make the old bat so mad at you or whatever, referring to the headmistress, the way she goes, what did I do? It's just, <laughs> I don't know, it's just super adorable. I know. She
0: is so cute. But don't those three three have a really lovely chemistry together?
2: Love us. They should have just made a film.
1: One of the other things, too, that I... This kind of goes for the whole film because she does it all throughout, but here comes another signature Judy move. All the little faces that she makes kind of when she's not the centre of attention on the screen, like, she'll just throw out, like, a little or something like that you know what I mean like (laughs) I think
0: I can't remember where it was but I think she does that one again at one point doesn't she the wizards of Oz Andy Hardy woman
2: there's yeah,
1: wizard of Oz she does when she's throwing the water she goes like that doesn't it love finds Andy Hardy when Marma Turner
0: walks that's it yeah in the drugstore the face after the face the close-up though when Gerald's doing his lines that was really funny when she's like and never be afraid again
2: maybe we are mad but it's a lovely madness
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) she has some great facial expressions in this and even the scene
2: um, with the sister and she's like I wish I could make some money for this family and the wink (laughs) that just gets me
0: (laughs) Mm. and it's so cute when she's like snuggle me sis and you think because you know Judy was so affectionate wasn't she you can imagine Mm. that to be yeah. What Judy wanted in real life. Oh Well,
2: But she was so small you could probably pick her up and put her in your pocket anyway. I
0: know. Yep. <laughs> okay, so next we've got Kathy Nap out down on Melody Farm, bus scene. Ricky gets sacked and Judy sent away. So I've got four um Kathy Nap out and um down on Melody Farm. I know you hate this, Connor, but I see foreshadowing to Summerstock and Easter Parade. Summerstock with the dungarees. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. kind of farm scene, and the kind of Down on Melody farm reminds me of Down on the Farm, and I was born in Michigan. It, but what I do have as well is, um, you really see Judy's star quality in that big voice mm. coming out here really do the lights hollow I wanna go I wanna go
3: I wanna be a little country girl
2: Yeah, the, I mean the scene is the the, the song. I actually really like the song. Um, it it it. I it, I was actually trying to think the other day. It reminds me of another song. This is down on Melody Farm. Um, just the way it's structured, Um it reminds me of something else. And I can't place what it is, but I felt it sounded very modern almost for some reason. Um, and that huge voice at the end when she when she finishes the song, but. Yeah, I don't like the dungarees because she's, she's meant to be making her performing debut in this cafe, nightclub, and it's dungarees she's wearing. I don't know.
0: I can understand why they put the dungarees in, because it is about the farm song, the background. Like, yeah. But it was originally filmed in one of their typical frilly, fruity dresses. The following scene on the bus, she's actually still in this dress with the fair coats over it.
1: Oh, that was the originally
0: meant for that song um, down on Melody form. I presuming they refilmed it because they thought the dress wasn't suitable for that song Could well
2: be, I yeah. actually
0: prefer the dungaree so I'm out on my own here yeah?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so since we brought that up should we move on to the scene on the bus um, yes. I just want to start by saying if I was fast asleep and someone started singing and woke me up like that I wouldn't be very happy <laughs> <laughs> but I do like this scene.
2: <laughs> it's very good. It's very, another cute scene, you know, with Judy. And everyone is so happy that that she's I, I actually love the um owner of the, the the cafe. He's like, Oh bambino, you'll come back and a for me <laughs> <laughs> He's like delighted with himself. I have had another summer stock foreshadowing there Sarah as you're saying it because in summer stock you see her coming off stage in the outfit meant for heavenly music that she was never in mm.
1: <laughs> I swear we could do a whole podcast on foreshadows mm. throughout her career it's it's eerie how much of her life is foreshadowed in her films mm. you will. We'll well. Why not? I'll mm. write that
0: down <laughs> um, again this is another scene where i can't understand why everyone's so horrible to gerald because he's in there with them he's having a ball they're all laughing you know we support them so why is everyone so horrible to him
1: oh can i i meant to add this earlier in when we were in the uh in the previous scenes there when um when judy mimics gerald to her mother in bed oh my gosh I thought that was the funniest thing <laughs> I am just dying when I saw that <laughs> again just what a ham like that's Judy in her element right there
2: <laughs> oh um, have we done the next scene um, or are we including the next scene in this when they come home after being on the bus or is that in the next no it's in
0: this section it's oh, can to I... it now.
2: oh yeah. you're coming to it okay because I want to say something about that well
0: we we'll lead into it now. So, go ahead. The next scene is when they arrive home um, and they're delighted to tell the parents what a hit she was, and the parents don't see it that way. And basically, they sack Ricky and they decide to send Judy away. What did you have to say, Connor?
2: Just when Carly said about being a ham. <laughs> And they're telling the family that she took ten bows. And <laughs> Billy Burke goes, Judy, don't be a ham. <laughs> and she goes, I'm not a ham. And she looks like so offended.
3: pleased with yourself? You've lost us another cook. Oh, Daddy, there was no reason to fire him. We were all of us only trying to help. Sylvia, why don't you tell him how I took ten bows? Judy, don't be a ham. I'm not a ham. And I guess if Caruso started out as a plumber, I've got a chance too. You can't hold me down. I'm going up, up,
2: up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what Billy was, that's what the mother was bothered about, was the 10 bells.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this is, um, well, obviously, it's intentional t- intentional irony because she is the biggest ham in the film, Billy Burke. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. But then so now, um any other thoughts on that? So the Ricky? Oh, do you know before you were talking about um so I'm just backtracking, Judy crying in the kitchen. Judy's
1: crying scenes in this film were her first ever crying scenes on film.
2: they would have been, yeah.
1: I I did think it was uh funny when um Judy or... Oh my gosh, I'm brain frogging again, but when Billy Burke uh, is telling Judy that they're going to send her away to Europe, and she starts crying and the mom starts crying and then the dad's like you know what are you crying about don't start crying Then he starts crying.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Cute>. <laughs> I thought that was a nice scene actually as well because it did show that I suppose like we were talking earlier about them um kind of ignoring her and all of that but underneath it all they do love her obviously like it's you know and they were all actually so upset that she was going to go away for a few months to Europe you know.
1: It was a nice bonding scene I guess between Mm. Judy and Billy Burke I I did really like that. I
3: know but I I know it is necessary and And I want to stay and help you all. And you're not going to argue. You want to keep your daddy from worrying, don't you? You'll have a lovely time. You'll see picture galleries, cathedrals. (laughs) I've seen a cathedral. (laughs) Stop that sniffling. (laughs) Oh, Mommy. Daddy, I can't go away now. Please. I'd miss you all so much. (laughs) Why don't you start? They're to cry about, absolutely nothing. you will only be gone a little while. Oh. You'll be back.
0: Um, just before we get to the next musical number...
2: Um, Here we go.
0: There's the, little, there's the quick scene where she leaves the ship and she's, like, discussing with the girl. And the girl's like, aren't you scared? She's like, how me scared? Oh poo. Aren't you scared to death? Me scared? Oh poo. Goodbye.
2: Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) It's very dedicated to her plan as well. If she's gone off and read all the guidebooks for all the different places that they're going and written out the letters as if I saw the Eiffel Tower today and it was great. I saw St. Peter's Basilica today and it was pretty you know.
1: She was committed. <laughs>
2: yeah, committed, yes.
0: Okay, we'll move on now. Um, So Judy leaves the ship, and she decides to audition for Ricky's show. In order to do this, she has to do it in a kind of disguise, and she sings Low, Sweet Chariot. We're not going to go too much into the politics of this. but well, this is Judy's first appearance in blackface, and this is the actual number that caused a bit of an uproar recent in the past few years and it is kind of like it is the gestures are exaggerated you know they're um, stereotypical but we did our on mickey judy podcast we did put our, our um, opinions forwards on the fact that judy was 15 when filming this and had no choice people didn't realize what they were doing wrong back then hollywood was quite slow to catch on Judy was not the only person who did Blackface, Fred Astaire. Al Jolson was famous for it. Doris Day, no one ever mentions Doris Day doing it, but she did do it. We've already made clear how into, what to you call it? Here we go, brain frog. Human rights, into human rights Judy was. We're not going to elaborate anymore now because we did in the last podcast, the Mickey Judy podcast. So I don't know whether either of you want to say anything else on that. If not... We'll just go straight into her actual singing and the number, and then there's a really emotional scene between Judy and Ricky that follows it, which was one of her first real, really deeply emotional scenes, so I'll open it up.
1: Oh yeah I mean the emotional scene afterwards was very profound and again like this it, it speaks to her talent and how she was able to basically take your heart and rip it right out of its chest, at, at, you know the drop of a tear, um, but uh, it, it's one of the obviously the first time we, we really see that Judy can do Uh, a dramatic performance and switch from being a ham (laughs) in the rest of the film to just completely you know making your (laughs) heartache with emotions
0: Um, so move on um Olga joins up with Judy and Ricky in the next few scenes because she needs to get a letter to Ricky from Sylvia because she's had to pretend to be in love with Gerald to save her parents marriage and it's in the newspapers so she needs to like Show Ricky that it's not true, but she doesn't actually get the letter to him because she drops it. She sees Jusie and tries to take her back home, and then they convince her to join them. And um, so Olga, Fanny Bryce, performs Quainty Dainty Me. Um, any discussions on the scenes around this where Olga joins them?
2: Don't you mean Quainty Dainty Me? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fettered bound back and went.
2: Oh.
0: <laughs> that used to crack me mum up all the time when she say that. All yeah. my life I've been a slave. Fettered bound back and wangence. <laughs> um,
2: that's brilliant. <laughs> or when she's chatting around the whole time going, I've got four squabs for dinner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, as I said to you the other day, why don't you just chop them all off get rid of all the meat and mix it up in some kind of like rice or stew or something i mean she burned them anyway so it didn't matter but
2: and i actually have a question on that note as well if ricky's the cook and alga's the maid why was alga cooking the dinner <laughs>
0: right <laughs> yeah he wasn't very helpful there, wasn't he was too big he was too busy running around after sylvia
2: i think so yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like He was there for the dinner, you know. It's like he was working because he trotted in looking for money for the milkman, so. Yeah,
1: his uniform on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah, so any thoughts on these scenes and then them watching Olga's number?
2: I love Fanny Bryce so much in this that I'm I just she cracks me up in all of her scenes and to be honest I think I'm just cracking up at her and her antics and her cleanly dainty me and all this kind of a thing in it you know not to take away from Judy's participation naturally but um yeah I just crack up with Fanny Bryce in this. She
1: almost steals the show.
2: (laughs) She almost does yeah she does but and look do you know what Judy was 15 and Fanny was a a, a, a Ziegfeld legend, and as she should. You know, she wasn't a Ziegfeld legend for nothing.
0: Yeah, but but Judy keeps up with
2: her. Oh, 100%. Yes, just to clarify, Judy absolutely keeps up with her. Which Mm -hmm. leads
0: me into the next part, because then we move on to the show. Um, We've got a few scenes in and around it where they try to take Judy home, and um, Olga, you know, encourages her to scream for help, which does amuse me. Um, And then we've got why because, and then we've got shall I sing a melody in reuniting with the family. So any thoughts on those
1: final two numbers and the final few scenes? I love the baby Snooks (laughs) number. I really, really, really do. Why? Because. What you doing, Snooks?
3: I've been reading books. Well, put your books away and let's go out and play because because
1: it is just such a such a catchy tune i oh i love it 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 is a a little bit strange but i mean that's her character that's fanny bryce's character (laughs) a very popular radio character that was only brought to the screen once and it was in that film and i thought it was it was perfect
2: I don't understand any of the comments about it being strange or whatever, that, that she's playing the baby character, as it were, because there's a, um, he wouldn't be known outside of Ireland, but the, the, he's, he passed away a couple of years ago. But there was a very famous Irish comedian called Brendan Grace, and the finale to his stand-up act was always his character called Butler. And Butler was like a Dublin schoolboy with like the cap and the shorts and he'd get changed into it. Like, so like to me, it's, just you know, it's, I don't know, it's just entertainment. I, I love why, because it's hilarious. It's just hilarious.
1: It's today's modern society that makes it weird. It is nothing yeah. that they are doing that makes it weird. It is the, it is where we are today. What <laughs> that is, uh, you know, that decides whether or not something is appropriate. I
0: don't know. No, I was just gonna say we had the triplets in the bandwagon. Yes. Um, yes. We've had co- comedians, we had um Harry field and Chums played both the, the teenagers and then those roly those twins who, I don't know whether you I don't know whether you had Harry enfield Connor. I don't think you will have um Carly, but the um the, with Kathy Bay the little toddlers who like beat each other up um, loads of adults of plays babies. I don't really get the fuss. Uh, but regarding the white because number, I, I, one thing I do find Jusie very cute in is um, the little scene. It's another kind of blinking and you miss it one way. She's walking away before she comes and says, are you a girl or a boy? Um, she's rolling the yo-yo. Have you seen it? Mm. <laughs> is
3: you a girl or a boy? If I'm known as Lord Fauntleroy. Oh.
0: Hmm. It's just mm-hmm. the way she does the little <laughs> roll, it's so cute. Yeah, so yeah, we've spoke about why because um Eddie comments on like his scene where the policeman tries to take her and Olga, you know, tells her to well, this does make me laugh. He says scream for help, and they scream for help, and the policeman without even like interviewing, immediately presume the kidnapping. Them. Yeah. <laughs> take them now. <laughs> Nowadays, they won't do a thing without any, you know, without evidence. They're like, you report and someone screaming somewhere, they're like, oh, we can't do a thing. But then it's like, oh, yeah, you're getting kidnapped. <laughs> so, so then we move on to her last song, um, Shall I Sing a Melody? Um, and then a little tiny reprise of Down on Melody Farm, and then she reunites with the family. And this is also where poor Gerald gets chased after by the police because they say he's Ricky and he's not. But um, yeah, I've got a real big issue with hair costume in this finale but I'll open it up
1: to use. It's
2: hideous. It would have been
1: it would have been fine without the damn pants. <laughs> like...
3: Shall I sing a melody Of birds on the wing Shall I sing Of love and spring Or shall
0: I sing of swing. Hey swing, oh swing. You know These are proper MGM trope back then. Have you noticed it? They always have the girls, the pretty girls in the long dresses, lined up sitting on the floor, singing a little slow harmony before the like the star comes in. Has anyone noticed that? Mm-hmm. It's like they, they did it in a um, didn't strike up the band before the or have love of fairy praise. I've seen it in a few other 1930s films. I kind of find that a little bit annoying nowadays. <laughs> mm-hmm. A little rant, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Anything to say on the number though? Jusie's actual number. She's quite funny, isn't it?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, like with this whole film, like there's no, as we said at the beginning, that was a big sigh out of me. I don't know why I did that. Um It was billed as you know a star vehicle or I know, yeah, a star vehicle for Julie, and there's no question her voice you know it's just it's starting to really blossom and bloom into that big belting voice that that we would know later. Maybe Roger Eden's brought it down a little bit, you know, but uh, I'm just rambling here, sorry, don't mind me.
0: Yeah, you do see elements of vaudeville Julie in this film, don't you?
2: Yeah, let's see you do like it's the big voice you know teacher says
3: i shouldn't sing those tin pan alley songs i should sing of love and spring like low hill gentle low hill gentle but i will not sing of love and spring for when I sing, I'm gonna sing, I wanna sing, I'm gonna sing oh swing. I wanna hear a holitude against the beat, I wanna feel the muddy waters round my feet, I wanna kill myself a dancing down the street, I wanna stand, right up,
2: which it's different to, you know, presenting Lily Mara's voice.
0: I do have a soft spot for presenting Lily Mars though, plays, mm. as you know. Mm. Me too. Was, I can't wait to get it to it. <laughs> um, so anything else on the actual film?
1: I don't think so. Oh, the only other thing that I wanted to mention um, is it's really interesting to see Billy Burke sort of playing Judy's mother uh because oh we've lost you both now oh and now it's just me on the screen oh this is frightening
2: I have to (laughs) (laughs) yawn
1: I take life hack we can turn off our cameras (laughs) when we have to do that I never even thought
2: I'm not bored Uh, it's just uh, at the end of the day for me
1: (laughs) (laughs) um Oh, where was I? Oh yeah. It's interesting to see Billy Burke playing Judy's mom because oddly enough, she has a very maternal vibe in Wizard of Oz playing Glinda. Um, And there's always a, I've always had it in the back of my head as a little theory. I'll, I'll, I can maybe expand on this in the Wizard of Oz podcast, but I always had a theory that Glinda was actually Dorothy's mom because we never see Dorothy's parents. Obviously she lives with Aunt Em and Uncle Henry and pretty much everybody in her Oz life or in her Kansas life has a counterpart in Oz, except who's Glinda. We don't know who Glinda is. Can I say
2: something on that? Yes, Connor. (laughs) In the Madison Square Garden, 1996, 1997 version of Oz, the stage version that they did, the same actress plays Aunt Em and Glinda, which okay. I like. Yeah, yeah
1: I like there we that. Go. <laughs> but I
2: believe it's a big challenge to do on the stage because Aunt Em. Then the actress only has like forty seconds to get changed from Aunt Em into Glinda to be mm. there in Munchkinland after the tornado. Yeah. No. Th-
1: yeah. That would be a bit of a tall order. <laughs> yeah. I get that done. Um, but in the uh, in the um, Oz, the Great and Powerful, the Disney uh, remake, um, Glinda mentions that she's or, well, the I guess, Kansas Glinda, Michelle Williams's character comes in at the beginning and she's wearing a gingham dress and she said she's marrying someone named John Gale. So I all I automatically equated that. Oh, that's Dorothy's mom. That that's you know that's that connection there, and then she's Glinda, so and, and so I always had that kind of that kind of theory I guess. Anyway, maybe I'm I'm going totally off here, but what my point is, it's fun seeing Billy Burke playing her mother in Everybody Sing, and then Glinda in Wizard of Oz.
2: Yeah,
0: that theory would make sense because in Kansas, her parents are dead, aren't they? So Glinda could be, like, her mum's
1: spirit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We never know yeah, what happened to her parents. No, so.
2: and we don't know how old Dorothy was when her parents passed away or what even happened to them. I don't even think in the books, as far as I know, John well, might be able to clarify. I
0: didn't, I didn't know till I was reading up on something recently, and I don't know whether this is true, that Dorothy originally was a city girl. That's why she finds Kansas so
2: dull. <laughs> I was like, where did that come oh. from? Oh, Unless
0: it was just a
2: theory. That's nothing to do with one of those remakes coming up. Is it the Netflix remakey thing or that that's the premise for that?
1: Oh, could be. I don't know. I can't imagine Dorothy as a city girl.
2: <laughs> no, she's a farm girl.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. So anyway, that's the summary
0: of um, the actual film. I, Judy had two deleted numbers. Well, actually... One was releases, one was never filmed, it was just a concept in the place where, why, because, is, um, there was originally supposed to be a Russian doll number, or just leave, leave the camera, between Judy and Fanny Bryce. And it was, the lyrics, they were, were bells as the room, Molly sisters, and the lyrics they were to sing was, um, and I apologise for my pronunciation, we the two beauty twins from the barley roofs, um Yachka the swan, and am the goose. We used to dance before the course for the Dukes and Prince guys. Do three shows to on the gang plank down at Minsky's, which I believe they like pronounce as Minks guys. Can I just say that I'm really glad that reading that that I'm so glad that why because what <laughs> it was replaced it. Any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, it's hard to know what way that would have gone down um, or how it would have come across. I'm sure Judy would have managed it. And as I say, Fanny Brice is so funny in it that it probably would. But then, yeah, is it sort of cultural appropriation? You know, I don't know.
0: Fanny Bryce was playing a Russian in the film. So yeah. I don't know. Um, but, the, the other deleted number was, um, it was like an expansion on Swing Mr. Mel- Mendelssohn. Uh, there is a photo, in I can't remember whether it's in this, yeah, it's, in, it's on... Page forty-two of *World's Greatest Entertainer* by John Fricke. Um It's like the in what looks like Roman garb. The teacher looks like she's in like Roman garb, and like they look like they're in sort of like outwear, underwear, or something. <laughs> that was the other deleted number. But that before I move on to the legacy, it. Um, Carly, going on about like Judy's relationship with her co-stars, because we spoke about Fanny Bryce and everyone. Didn't you have a quote from Alan Jones?
1: Yes. So there's a very, <clears throat> a very sweet quote in uh John Frickey's a legendary film career. If we could all turn our books to page uh 83. <laughs> <laughs> um So he goes on to say, Everybody Sing was a light, sophisticated musical comedy, and Judy was a delightful child. I fell in love with her, and I taught her all the dirty tricks a leading man could do so that she'd be prepared, because I knew this girl was going to have a great career, and she never forgot it. Whenever we went to a party and she was there or came in, she'd run over and throw her arms around me and kiss me and thank me. This went on for years. So very very sweet, very very sweet, and uh, yeah,
2: yep. And of course, and she you performed with.
0: You're just about to say what I was going to say, Connor. Yeah, go for it. On her <laughs> show, yeah. The son, right? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. thought I thought Jack Jones was quite dishy as well.
2: Yeah, I do too.
0: <laughs> and I preferred him his singing style than Alan Jones's for him.
2: Yeah, the operatic.
0: Yeah. yeah. And of course the
2: great joke on the television show that that I actually use to this day from Judy when they're doing the their medley and they mention the year nineteen thirty-six and Jack Jones says, Yeah, that was the year I was born, and Judy goes, Nobody was born in (laughs) nineteen (laughs) thirty-six And I say that Aww. to this day when I come across like somebody born in the year 2000 or something. Nobody was born in 2000. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. So we'll move on to the legacy of the film. We're almost done. Um, but Josie was sent on um, an East Coast tour to promote the film with her mum and Roger Eanes. Um, seven weeks. Um, seven-star personal appearance, tour of mo- movie theatres, um, opening up Broadway's low sticks on the February the 10th. And then um, Var- Variety raved about say, the same, young citizen sounds in Wallop with personality and skills to develop in what's box office well in any line of show business. She uncalled twice, finally been off. She could have stayed on indefinitely. This is definitely foreshadowing um, Judy's concert career. Um, and then some, um, these two very sweet um, recollections by Roger Edens. The first one is in Wales Graces Entertainer, page 41. He remembers that despite Garland's experience and professionalism, she had the sensitivity to be petrified of her first New York opening, so much so that she couldn't control her voice and the audience was initially unimpressed. Then during her second song, he heard a baby begin to cry somewhere in the balcony, shuddering and whining, exactly like Judy was singing. Somebody in the audience tittered. Judy took her breath, but couldn't get the next note out. I didn't know whether she was going to panic. She didn't. She broke into an infectious little girl grin and started to giggle. The audience laughed. Judy laughed with them. The house roars. That did it. I never heard such an ovation for, for an unknown kid as she got
1: so anyway. i remember reading that story i think that's in the gerald frank book as well if i'm not if i'm not mistaken
0: yeah but shows a professionalism at that age oh was- yeah.
2: yeah it reminds me of the um again this whole thing i think the subtitle is going to have to be foreshadowing but it reminds me of like when she fell on her bum in the London Palladium, and just giggles, you know.
0: Yeah. And she said, "That's one of the most ungraceful exits I've ever made." <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and there's a photo of her, like, being picked up off the stage. It's just, yeah. you know, she's so down to earth.
0: It, and then the other quotes I got from Roger eden's it, it's. Around surrounding Ethel Merman you know we were discussing about Judy being on the same level as Sophie Tuff Fanny Bryce um this happened on the Everybody Sing tour as well he said meeting Judy was a great moment for me Merman was the first real pro singer in my life the next was Judy I came to MGM and Judy came to my life in another year I worked with her exactly the way I worked with her in New York Now at the time I would go east once or twice a year, I would always see Ethel and I started telling her about Julie. I've got this wonderful kid out there, the greatest, greatest singer that I've ever known. Wait till you see her. Well, Ethel was very cute because she was a tiny bit jealous. Well, who is this? Who is this? And I said, well, she's just a little kid, Ethel. Well, what's she like? You're not showing her any tricks, are you? So I had to play here, or Just forget about it. The next year, Judy was 15, I took her to New York to appear at State. I played for her. Well, Ethel was there practically at the first mat, and when I took Judy to meet her, Ethel was just darling with her. So you took my man kidding about me and Judy was sheepish? Oh yes. Over a period of years, Ethel would come out here to make pictures, and finally they got very friendly and very close. They saw quite a lot of each other. One night after dinner at my house, we started this real rivalry thing. They decided to see which could outsing sing the other. It was the greatest thing I've ever known. They just died laughing at each other. Ethel would say, remember the no one I used to sing? used to do it for me, and then she would sing. And then Judy said, well, it is an old one for me. Finally ends up, up singing duets. It was one of the great, great evenings. So can you imagine witnessing them trying each other?
2: We're the last of the big belters, Judy. It's very, um, it's very sort of, you know, Elaine Stritch-esque, you know, being at the parties. And isn't there another story that, um, was it Ralph Blaine or somebody like that, that Judy and Kay Thompson were, were together somewhere and Judy turns around and says, Kay, let's just sing real loud. And they, you know, out sing each other <laughs> at the party.
0: It was on the um, the A&E biography, that, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: It was, um, I can't remember his name. But um, now I know what you mean. Right, I'll finish off with some reviews of everybody's sting involving Judy. So the Chicago Tribune said, very gay, which meant happy back then. That's a different context, talking about context, 1930s. Very amusing, very tuneful. I recommend it to everybody. Little Miss Judy and completely sure of herself at all times, has a number of arresting scenes. One you'll find a hard time forgetting it, it is that where Alan Jones tells her she must go back to her parents. I cried a bit right there. Judy and Fanny Bryce tell you something, some interesting things to, to music in great style. But um, another review from Pitcher Gower. Um, Judy Garland sings swing songs with the air of a veteran. There is no doubt that this young lady will go far. And then Cleveland Plain Dealer said, good fun. Judy Garland is now unquestionably the screen's number two juvenile singing actress. She hasn't had a chance to compete wholly with Deanna Durbin and she comes through swinging it with song and comedy. Now those reviews predicted her start, and I'm pretty sure she'd be the number one an actress above Deanna Day, anything you want to add on the reviews or the legacy of the film, anything?
2: It's just such a pity that in, in one way, because it is an enjoyable, harmless film, and it's just such a pity that there's a certain, mm, I'm trying to think of the right way to, to, to put this, maybe the reputation has been a little bit tarnished of the film because of a particular scene and a particular song. Um, which is such a pity because it's great.
1: It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful film. It's a film that's just, it's filled with a lot of fun. Um, and it's one of those movies that it's a, it's a feel good movie, right? It's something that you can watch that's lighthearted. It uh, doesn't require a whole lot of thinking <laughs> and you can just go into it and expect to laugh and expect to have a good time. Um, And again, you know, as I've already mentioned before, it's great to see um, Judy with Billy Burke. Um, It's great to see Judy with Fanny Bryce and everybody else that makes up the the cast. Everyone played so well together. They had great chemistry together. Um, You see Judy as finally the leading lady, I guess, or leading young lady as it should be. and it's all her you don't have to wait you know 20-25 minutes of of film before you see her she's the first thing you see when the film comes on and she's doing her thing right when you see her she's being herself she's belting out that tune she's swinging she's dancing and it's just it's a great film I I don't know what else I could add
2: (laughs) very nicely possible (laughs)
1: i
0: think you used to um just sum that up perfectly so i've got nothing else to add and on that note um we will end this podcast thanks for joining us as always and it's been wonderful to have carly back um and if you haven't already please subscribe to our channel and ring that bell so you don't miss on future podcasts top tens anything and if there's any we do have a whole like um schedule or podcasts and content plans for quite a while but if there's anything you feel like you would like to see pop it in the comments and if we haven't already got it on our schedule we pop it on and um, please like our video and share our channel to all the juicy or class of movie fans thank you bye thanks everybody
2: thanks everyone bye, bye. bye. <laughs>